0: Welcome to this episode of Burden Bird's Competitive Edge, the podcast, in which we dissect competition law issues to help you understand how they may affect your business. My name is Frederik Haustel, I'm an associate in our competition EU team here in Copenhagen, and on this episode we'll be discussing the development of the ever-evolving type of abuse known as denigration. I'm joined today here by Alexander Brugner and Nana-Sophie Krabbe, two associates also from our competition team here in Copenhagen. Welcome to the podcast, to both of you. We're happy to be here. Thank you. So, Nana, when we say denigration, perhaps you can explain to our listeners what are we actually talking about?
1: Yes, of course. Well, broadly, this can be characterized as a new form of abusive conduct by dominant companies in a simple tone, bad mouthing. We see a dominant company launching a strategic campaign aimed at restricting or excluding competition by portraying competing products or services as unsafe, inefficient or of significantly lower quality. The authorities have generally found this type of abusive behavior in markets where the trust in the products is a decisive element and price competition less important. Generally speaking, this is what we mean when we are talking about denigration in this podcast.
0: Okay, thank you, Nana. That's clear. But Alex, taking into account the recent development uh, that we have seen across Europe, it appears that the European Commission's interest is peaked on this topic of denigration right now.
2: Absolutely, if I like The Commission's investigation of a couple of uh, pharmaceutical companies, including a recent investigation into a Swiss company okay. and the development of the abuse of dominance doctrine in relation to denigration really confirms a shift in the focus of competition authorities. In my opinion, this really feeds into the general trend of the Commission, looking more closely into cases of abuse by dominant companies, exploiting non-price-related decision points. For a recent example of this we've seen in the self-preferencing strategy implemented by Google in the Google shopping case that it was not only the self-preferencing as a standalone abuse that was uh, relevant but also the demolition of uh, competing products. If I uh, quote from the ECJ's judgment they stated that when in fact that conduct consists in the combination of two practices one being the promotion of specialized results from Google's comparison shopping services and two the simultaneous demolition of results from competing comparison services by adjustment algorithms. From this, it can be seen that it was not the self-preferencing in in isolation that amounted to an abuse, but rather the combination with a malicious downgrading of competition in a situation where end-users normally expected search engines to give a neutral result. This really bears some resemblance to the alleged conduct by the Swiss pharmaceutical company in the investigation that the commission recently launched. Therefore, I see good grounds to argue that this uh, Swiss case showcases the interest of the authorities in denigration as an abuse of dominance on its own, rather than in combination with another abuse.
0: Interesting, interesting. And perhaps this would be a good opportunity to dig a bit deeper into the context of these recent investigations, because in June 2022, the Commission opened an investigation into this possible anti-competitive denigration by this Swiss-based manufacturer of products for treatment of iron deficiency. Overall, you can say that the Commission's concern is that the Swiss company has restricted competition by illegally denigrating its closest and potentially only competitor in Europe, which makes a rival product a high-dose intravenous iron treatment medicine, which is also critically considered to be a potential blockbuster medicine.
1: Yes, and in fact, the Commission has evidence that for many years, the Swiss company pursued a strategy of both denigration the product by spreading misleading information regarding its safety and also pursued a misleading communication campaign primarily targeting healthcare professionals, which may have unduly hindered the products uptaken in the european economic area
2: indeed this is an interesting development and certainly offers a lot of insight into the impact of denigrations a uh, denigration on customers decision making process as it uh, can really serve to instill fears or concerns in decision makers and stakeholders via a systematic and consistent denigration campaign. One overall observation to make is really that the existing body of case law has involved and concerned products and sectors where non-price competition parameters are more relevant than the price. In essence, you may argue that the more important a given non-price competition parameter is, the more effective it is when a dominant company tries to exclude competitors through false or misleading information. If you take these special characteristics of the abuse into account, it's really obvious that the the pharmaceutical sector is particularly sensitive due to the high risk nature of this sector, so that this integrating conduct is more likely to negatively impact rivals. But interestingly, case law in, for example, France has the same element in cases in the telco sector regarding internet provision and energy. So it's not just limited to the pharma sector. However, in the pharma sector, non-price competition parameters for healthcare being safety and efficacy of the medicine, are more relevant than price for healthcare professionals administering the drug, consequently making denigration a very impactful kind of abuse and dominance.
0: That's a very interesting observation. Do you think that we're able to say anything about how this investigation or how these investigations will shape our understanding of this new type of abuse? Firstly, this is the first
1: pure denigration-only abuse case investigated by the Commission. The Commission recently initiated another investigation in 2021, which was also in the pharma sector, but but this one concerned several other types of alleged infringements, denigration being one of them. This development is also significant for clarifying the legal position in relation to integration cases in the future. There is a clear opportunity here, I guess, for the Commission to contribute to the interpretation of the boundaries and the understanding of case law uh, regarding this topic. As I
0: see it, at least. I totally agree, Nana. But of course, the first challenge for us or for, for everyone, basically, is to understand the legal standard for bringing a denigration claim.
2: Precisely, Frederick. This is uh, where things uh, get a little more complicated, in my opinion. The case law in this area has really evolved from uh, bottom up with the development of case law first being driven locally by the national competition authorities, as the commission had um, not made a decision specifically on any um, pure denigration cases by dominant companies. However, uh, at a national level, there's already a considerable body of case law and Article 102 and the national equivalents with the French, Danish and Italian competition authorities already having adopted decisions concerning denigration.
0: But one thing that's very clear from comparing these cases from French or Danish or Italian competition authorities is that it seems that they have taken slightly different paths in respect of the legal standard required to bring a denigration claim forward. For example, in France, a previous decision practice from the courts requires the following four elements in order to be able to establish an infringement of Article 102 through denigration. First of all, there's denigration of a competitor's product with a view to obtaining a commercial advantage. Secondly, you must be able to establish a link between the dominance and the denigration. Thirdly, that statements put forward in the market by the dominant undertakings are not based on objective findings. And this parameter here about the statements not being based on objective findings is relevant when comparing to the Danish standard. We'll come back to that. And then fourthly, that the commercial statements are liable to influence the structure of the market.
1: Yes, and in a contrast here to different elements considered in Denmark. In a case concerning a procurement of ambulance services, the DCA based its decision on the following five elements. One being the dominant undertaking enjoyed a very strong position on the market, and the evidence suggested that one ambulance service provider was excluded from the market due to the exclusionary strategy. Two, the market for ambulance services was characterized by a limited workforce, as all educated paramedics were already employed, and the education of new paramedics was time-consuming and very expensive. Three, the overall exclusionary strategy was implemented in a covered manner, which meant that the real mastermind behind this denigration was unknown to the paramedics. Four, the dominant undertaking had a special obligation to compete only on the merits of the market. For example, by having a better price or quality or being more innovative. Lastly, the dominant undertaking's activities on a long-term basis were likely to foreclose other players from entering the market.
0: Thank you, Nana. Very interesting. And what I just mentioned before about the differences in the standards under French and Danish case law is this parameter three about that the overall exclusionary strategy was implemented in a covered manner. So actually, the Danish courts, they didn't care about whether the information was untrue, as we saw in France. The important element was instead that the strategy was implemented in a covered manner. I think that's one interesting and important observation to make. But if we continue to Italy, we also have a decision adopted by the Italian Competition Authority, which was appealed to the Italian courts, that then posed the questions on the interpretation of competition law all the way up to the European Court of Justice. And in this case, the Court of Justice found that an agreement between competitors marketing two competing products to communicate certain denigrating information to decision makers constituted a restriction of competition by object. This is obviously very significant because as you can see from the wording that it was a restriction of competition by object, you you will see that this was not an abuse case, but instead it was a case about an anti-competitive agreement between parties. So instead it was under Article 101 and not under Article 102. But if you take a look at the Advocate General's opinion, I would say that he actually pinpointed the very essence of denigrating behavior in his opinion. I'll just quote from it. Concerted communication of those allegations impairs the quality of the information available on the market and consequently adversely affects the decision-making process of those who create the demand for the two products concerned. Such concerted communication is in itself likely to reduce, if not suppress, demand for the first product to the advantage of the second. I think this small quote from his opinion boils down the very essence of the abuse type denigration.
1: Yeah, and I guess based on these points, there is, of course, the danger that divergent standards could create some legal uncertainty. With this in mind, hopefully the new investigation marks a new milestone in the Commission's approach to denigration. And perhaps we will continue to see development in this area and in the European-wide guidance on the concept.
2: Absolutely. Nana. I uh, think the recent investigation in the case concerning the Swiss company, as well as the statement of objections in another uh, similar case in the pharma sector, really demonstrate the Commission's appetite to consider anti-competitive denigration as a standalone abuse under Article 102. Now, going back to the Swiss case, this sort of abuse can be perceived as particularly serious by the authorities as it concerns the health sector and involves potentially life-saving medicine. Now, Frederick, do you know if there's been any other decisions or investigations of a similar behaviour in other sectors?
0: Well, I think that we can definitely say that the recent wave of cases and investigation has largely involved the pharmaceutical sector, but there has also been evidence of similar practices applied in other sectors. it could be telco, it could be pay TV. So I would definitely say that we do have indications from national case law that the Commission should take a look at. But of course, one thing and one element that needs to be clarified is under what doctrine that the type of abuse belongs. Because as we know, and as we just discussed, we have case law under both Article 101 and under Article 102. So put in a more simple way, we simply need to figure out in which pan we need to fry the fish in. So consequently, if you're right now pursuing a denigration case before the commission, you may even be considering under which doctrine to pick and under which doctrine you would make the strongest case. In any case, this is all indicative, as we just know, that this is an area where we can anticipate a lot of developments in due course. Yes, for example, in a recent
2: decision by the French authority concerning a French gas provider, this gas provider was signed for abuse of dominance by, amongst others, uh, denying its customers information on alternative providers. So this could really be seen as a type of conduct related to denigration.
0: That's very interesting, Alex, because this case, as you just mentioned, is from October 2022. So there is a lot of material that the commission could look into when deciding on the investigations that we have discussed throughout this podcast. But I just wanted to say thank you very much, Alex and Anna. This has been really informative from both of you. And to all of our listeners, thank you very much for listening to this competitive edge podcast. It goes without saying that you can always get in touch with any of us if you have any questions. So I think all there is left to say is just thank you very much from our side.